and welcome to a special on-location edition of the Read More podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton. Today, we're at Bowie State University in Bowie, Maryland, to interview Rian Amalkar-Scott, an English professor here. His short story collection, Insurrections, was just published earlier this month. It takes place in the fictitious Cross River, Maryland, a town founded in 1807 after the U.S.'s only successful slave revolt. Rian, thanks so much for sitting down with us today. Thank you for having me here. Now, before we get started, I want to remind everyone that we have a free copy of Insurrections to give away. You can go to our website, readmorepodcast.com, to find out how to win. Rian, I really enjoyed these stories, and I love the characters. They were so true to life. And it was also just nice to read a book that was primarily about black men and black boys and just how they navigate through life and deal with all the many challenges that come up, all the pressures, you know, to be tough, to be the head of your family and all everything like that. Um, in some ways, as I was reading this, your work really reminded me of some of the short fiction of Edward P. Jones. And I was wondering, was he an influence of yours? Definitely. Uh, I've, I've read Jones over and over and over, uh, particularly the the lead story in All on Hagar's Children, the title story in All on Hagar's Children. Um, and I, I took a lot from from Jones and you know the sentence structure, the way he the way he uh, sort of navigates the uh, the light landscape of Washington D.C. And as a matter of fact, there was a time when I really you know I wanted to write about the Washington D.C. area and have my story set in the Washington D.C. area. Uh, but after reading Jones, I said he has this on lock, <laughs> and um, and and so the, the genesis of Cross River you know almost came out of that. This collection is your first published book, as we were talking earlier. What do you like so much about the short form? Well, I think the short form is, is something that you can you can uh, write in a, in a very in a short space of time, I guess. Which is, I guess, it's not necessarily true because some of the stories, particularly the last story, took me three years to write. Uh, so. But I like I, I like that it, that there's there's you know one one space and it's not so sprawling. Uh, a lot of times when I think of when I think of the novel form, you know, it feels like this really big canvas, and it's uh, you know, in it's many ways it's a lot. You know, it's it's we tend to think of short stories as, as warm ups to the novel, but I think the novel and the short story are, are almost opposites in in many ways. I mean, there's. In, in the novel, you're setting up, you're setting up these structures, and you knock them down. You set up even bigger structures. You know that doesn't happen in a short story, um, in a successful short story at least. And um, it it feels like something that you can you can live with for a short period of time and be with and 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 then move on. In a lot of these stories, we see men grappling with what it means to be a man. You know, especially in places like Cross River and particularly on the South Side where the population is more downtrodden and has to, you know, contend with so many different things um, that's just, you know, plaguing their families. You know, we see, you know, economic issues and drugs, things of that nature. Uh, but throughout this collection, we see lots of fathers, and these fathers are they really want to do right by their children, but in some cases it seems like they're not quite sure how to go about that. I mean, we see a character who 
is struggling with, you know, it's my child's birthday is coming up. I want to do this elaborate party, but we don't really have the money for it. Uh, we have uh, another father dealing with, you know, what, how do I react when my son is messing up in school? Um, in another case, you know, the father's wondering, how do I teach my daughter about life when things aren't going so well for me? Why did you want to explore the father-son and, and father-daughter relationship? That's a very good question that I, you know, that's a question I ask myself a lot. Uh, I think there's a there's a lot of tension um, in in the father-son, father-daughter, uh, you know, father uh, relationship that can you know be explored a lot uh, in, in fiction. We we tend to have this narrative of of the black father as as absent or or uh, you know not never very rarely positive uh, narratives and uh, and you know it's never really been true in my observation. Uh, you know I, my father's a great father. Uh, I I try to be a great father. Um, and you know most everybody I know had you know had, had similar fathers. And so that's something that that I really that I really wanted to to explore, um, and the parent relationship is I mean that's such a very difficult relationship, you know even the best parents scar their children, you know this is, um, and it's something that I you know that I think about and I fear every day you know with with my son, uh, and a lot of these stories started you know before I was a father, uh, my son is he's five now going on six. And um, so a lot of them, start, you know, and then I had a completely different perspective once once I had once I had a child, and I think there's a and you know, there's a there's a different texture between the stories I wrote before and the stories that I wrote wrote afterwards, and it's something that I think I'm going to keep exploring. When you say there is a different texture now, can you sort of explain what you mean? Well, you know, I being a father, I have a whole lot more more sympathy and empathy for for my parents. Um, and yeah, my, my son is, uh, you know, my, my dad laughs and every time my son is, is acting up, he's just like you. Um, and, you know, speaking of my father today and, uh, and, <laughs> you know, I was, I realized I was talking about my son in the same, using the same, almost the exact same language my father spoke with, uh, spoke about me, you know, you know, 30, 30 some years ago. And um, so I think there's there's a diff- there's, I think there's a little bit more more empathy in, in the stories that I that I wrote uh, afterwards. Um, you know, I think I, I would compare sort of uh, I would compare um, Good Times, the first story, with um, with Two Hundred Two Checkmates. So I wrote Good Times after after my son was born, uh, and uh, Two Hundred Two Checkmates uh, before. And I think there's a lot there's less sympathy for the father in Two Hundred Two Checkmates. Um, and even if you compare 202 checkmates to confirmation, which is kind of, which is interesting because it's the same family, um, and in confirmation, I started it. Bef- I think I started it before uh, my son was born and afterwards, and um, I think you know I, I think the I, th- I think there is a lot more a lot of more sympathy for the father and for, for the father in confirmation and the struggles that 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 led up to um, that leads up to the mistakes that he makes. And the stories that you mentioned, particularly Good Times and Confirmation, there's this undercurrent of sadness, at least as I was reading that, you know, that came across to me. Are you, when you set out to write, are you thinking, oh, this is going to be 
a sad story or this is going to be you know very emotionally charged I was just wondering what you're thinking because as I was I always take notes as I'm reading and some of these I wrote pretty sad <laughs> you know <laughs> I think emotion is everything in stories you know I, I want the reader to feel something I, I don't want these to just be intellectual exercises uh, I don't want them to be devoid of intellect of course but um you know, uh, so I, I didn't really set out to say, hey, this is going to be sad. Uh, but, in you know, the inciting incident in good times, you know, the, you know, the, the father is, you know, attempting to commit suicide. <laughs> I think there's, there's going to be some sadness, sadness in that. You know, I think a lot of times, uh, a lot of times I feel like when I'm writing fiction, you know, a lot of times I'm writing, you know, tragedies, emotion, they're, they're sort of like emotional, emotional tragedies, uh, and, you know, a little bit. Um, I'm not sure exactly, you know, why, you know, it's not something I've, I've, I've totally interrogated, but, um, you know, I do set out to make the reader feel something, you know. You also deal with a lot of class differences within the black community, and I think that's something that we don't always see explored. Uh, you know, we see a lot of your characters navigating that space between the north side and the south side, the north side being the more affluent side of town. Why did you want to show that sort of push and pull between the two different sides and also the conflicts that sometimes arise between people on you know, either side of that line? When I when I went to college, um, you know, I grew up in a very in a very middle class neighborhood in Silver Spring, Maryland, and is right next to Washington D.C., where there was you know a, you know a lot of uh, you know a lot of working class communities, and um, you know I spent a lot of, you know time going between my father's office, which was on the edge of D.C., and back home in Silver Spring, and you know you sort of sort of see that. But then when I, I went to college at Howard University. Um, it's in a very, it, at the time, sort of being gentrified now. It was a very working class, working class community. And um, and one of the things I, one of the things that I got from the university, got from my undergraduate being at a HBCU, was that there's, you know, that this this wide range of of black people. <laughs> you know, um, it was just there was an incredible amount of diversity, um, and that's something that I wanted to explore um, in in the book: I mean, cultural diversity, um, economic diversity. Uh, you know, and you know, you know, we're we're not monolithic in in any in any uh, form or fashion. Uh, so, um, and and you know, there's a you know, a, a, you naturally need tension in a story. You know, and I think you know the tension, you know, the class tensions that we have in in our society. We don't really a lot of time we don't really discuss them too much. Um, and so I, I wanted to I wanted to um, I wanted to explore that and and, uh, and and bring that to the surface, and you know it's just sort of how I've always you know navigated you know you know the the area that I, that I'm from that I grew up in and and, and that, I've, that I've lived in has, has always there's always been a lot of class, um, a lot of class uh, differences, um, you know just navigating between you know areas. Um, you know, uh, you know, went to school in, in a, I live in a pretty middle class uh, neighborhood. I went, went to school with people who were, um, you know, they were, you know, from Bethesda and Kensington, which is, you know, which was a, it was a different class. So there was, a, you know, a lot of, you know, class conflict. So it sort of reflects, you know, what I what I saw uh, growing up. Another thing that really stood out to me is that. A lot of your characters, your male characters, 
break down and cry. And that's pretty unusual. We don't often get to see black men express their emotions that openly. One of your, as you mentioned, you know, you have a character who attempted suicide and another black man comes to his rescue. Why did you want to show that vulnerability? I just, yeah, that's a good question. I never really, I, I never really thought about it. It's just natural, I think. You know, I think, you know, we become overwhelmed, and you know that sometimes it's the it's the next thing to do. It's the only thing to do. You know, I've had I've had you know men tell me I I haven't cried since I was a child. I I never believed them. You know, you know, and or, or either that or you know, I I want to have your life. You know, <laughs> um, and. Uh, and so you know, it's to me, it's it's uh, you know, it, we 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 tend to we tend to as men attempt to you know hide hide our emotions or or um, present one one emotion you know is be monochromatic in our emotions, and it it is it is uh it's impossible. It's a foolish thing to do. Um, you know, because it it all comes out, and it it will all come out in some form or fashion. And here I'm criticizing myself as well. You know, um, you know, and so you know, I wanted to I wanted to show that. And when it comes out, a lot of times it comes out in in, in ways that are that are detrimental and harmful to other people and to ourselves. Um, so you know, it, the the idea the idea of you know you know be be stoic in all in you know in all forms of fashion you know that that idea um you know there was a line in, in um one of my favorite songs growing up shook ones by mob deep where, where he's where they say for real real n-words who ain't got no feeling and I, I as a kid i loved that line i still love that line you know and um you know and you know, living by it wasn't a very not it wasn't a very good thing you know for me personally or for other people who, who took it on well, in one of your stories, it's interesting that you mentioned that because in one of your stories, we see these rap lyrics, you know, these fictitious rap lyrics, but uh, rap lyrics nonetheless. And we see how that affects the young men in the stories. I'm thinking of the legend of Ezekiel Marcus. We see kids get really wrapped up in these lyrics and it's it they start, you know, they're reciting it in class. And then we see it actually, some of it play out in real life and it has a... Uh, uh, detrimental effect on both the students as well as you know one of their teachers is there anything that you were trying to say there about you know the um effect of of music or were you just using that as a vehicle to help tell that story it's a vehicle to tell a story but you know it, it reflects a lot of things when i you know i was such a huge ice cube fan when i was growing up and you know i hadn't I hadn't listened to I think it was Ice Cube's second album or maybe one of his one of his first two albums and and I went and got went and got downloaded it off iTunes or or whatever and uh, you know I was listening to it and I was like this is what I was listening to as a child um, you know these sentiments are horrible um, and you know and you live and you you know you even 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 the sentiments that you you, you think are wrong as, as a child when you're young you don't have the that that critical thinking skills that it, it you know it, it really does you know it, it does affect you um in in some form or fashion uh and i can't pinpoint exactly you know how how it you know the, the effect but um you know i was sort of horrified that <laughs> you know that, that some of these sentiments were you know i listened to these sentiments you know daily and i forgot about them 
um, and, <laughs> and and so you know I was you know reflecting that a little bit. Well, I felt like that was another one of the stories that was pretty sad to me and I, I felt like it made me think about the Ezekiel Marcus that I knew I feel like we all sort of know someone like that who you know kind of went down a wrong path and then we lost track of them um, was there someone in your life that you'd say was your Ezekiel Marcus yeah definitely I think the, I think someone else had said that to me that the, the, everyone has an Ezekiel Marcus uh, when you know you you get you know there's a you know a you know, guy I grew up with was good friends with, um, I'm not sure what happened to him. I hear the rumors, um, and you know it, it breaks my heart to think of the rumors, um, you know, uh, and, um, and and you and you know I think about the talent and the ability and the leadership skills and and everything everything that he had, and um, you know if if he had you know. And again, I don't know what really happened to him, but um, you know, if he if he even went down the sort of negative path that uh, you know that uh, that it said, you know, that people say, you know, that he he had gone down. You think, you know, you know, what, you know, just a little bit, you know, different guidance, you know, could have, you know, could have been in in a different situation. Well, you mentioned that you know this Ezekiel Marcus in your life was very was very smart and you know could have done so many great things. We see that in some of your other stories where you talk about the impact of drugs in Cross River and we see, you know, professional people just lose it all to drugs. I mean, one of your stories, you talk about a drug dealer who you can tell is very, very smart and has these great ideas. And he there's certain things he wants to do for the people of Cross River. Why did you want to? sort of tell that story that we don't always see you know you think the you know drug dealer is standing on the corner he's not up to much he doesn't know much and that's why he's turned to crime but you sort of turn that around and this is a obviously a very smart young man but that's just how he's decided to make his money well I think uh you know in in Juba you know you know, oftentimes a writer is like the last person to to uh, to, to get an understanding of of, of their story. Uh, and I was I was reading Juba recently, very recently. It's sort of embarrassing to say, but you know, I say, oh wow, you know, this story deals a lot with the with the war on drugs, right? And, and of course, I just wrote it. I wrote it primarily, and you know, I wrote it primarily as a story. You know, I wanted, wanted to tell a story, um, and everything else comes in afterwards. You know, and, and and then I wanted it to be sort of a celebration of language, a celebration of black vernacular. Um, and um, and then afterwards, you know, the story wouldn't exist, at least wouldn't exist in that format, um, if there wasn't um, a, a failed war on drugs that, you know, that has touched, you know, just about everybody in some form or fashion, even if it's even if it's uh, tangentially, you know, um, it, it's a it's, it's a pretty, you know, it's, it's a shove, you know, still a shove, um, you know, uh, and, and some people it's a punch, some people it's a knockout punch. Um, and I think that there's a uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of talent that has, that that's that's been lost uh, through overly harsh overly harsh policing and overly harsh prosecution. Uh, and you know, I'll, I guess you know, I guess that that there's a that you know, I wanted to show that I think you know some you know you, I think everybody knows somebody who's uh, Who's brilliant and the uh, and circumstances, you know, um, you know, and I can't I can't say that there's anything more special about me than anyone else that, that I'm 
you know, at Bowie State University or, or whatever. Um, and so that, that's, I think that's where, where, where Juba came from. I want to ask you about the title now, Insurrections. I mean, we hear that this fictitious town you created was founded by you know slaves after a revolt, a first successful revolt in the U.S., as you say in the book. But we don't actually see that in the book. And then there is a story at the end where you talk about a book, Three Insurrections. And as I was reading this, I... I was thinking, is that a real book? And I, you know, I, I asked my husband, like, have you heard of that book? You know, and I was like, then I, I realized that, you know, your character is, is struggling with the fact, is this a real book himself? Because he can't, after he reads it once, he can't find it anywhere else. And so <laughs> then I said, okay, you got me there. That's not a real book. But tell me, you know, how you came up with the title and, you know, how you came up with the title and the storyline for that last story, Three Insurrections. We don't see the insurrection, the great insurrection. I'm going to be riding my crossover forever. I'm going to be riding my crossover for the rest of my life. Uh, and I, I really like the challenge of creating this world, you know, uh, that is that it's going to change and evolve. And, yeah, you know, some stories are going to be more speculative and some stories are more, more straight-laced and the, the challenge of bringing all that together uh, is, is a lot of fun to me. Um, you know, I have the insurrection in, in my mind. You know, I think uh, another book coming out, Wolf Tickets, uh, where you, you actually get to see some of the insurrection, some of the great insurrection that took place in, uh, in the 1800s. And, um, and, and so, you know, the title of the book, you know, that was suggested by my, by my publisher. Uh, it, it, was a, it, was a, it originally had a different title, uh, a more boring title. Uh, <laughs> Can you tell me what that title was? I guess I'll tell you. The title was People in Motion. Uh, and the, the idea, you know, when I submitted it, it changed, it changed a lot from when I submitted it to, to this final version. Uh, and the, the concept was it was moving, the book, the stories were moving in the direction from, from immaturity to maturity. Um, and, um, and over the course of the editing, that, that changed somewhat. You know, that structure is there a little bit some, somewhere, but, you know, the, it's a, it's a better structure because I don't think going from immaturity to maturity is a straight line, uh, and and so the structure you know it needed a new title and it needed a better title and, the, and I rejected I, I I sort of pushed back against the title uh, because I was sort of saving saving uh, the insurrections or um, another novel a novel that I'm working on that I had you know insurrection in the title, um, but. I figured, hey, you know, that, that novel is potential. You know, it, it may it may never come, and this book is here. So let's just use this, the insurrections as a as a title. I thought it, I think it's a great title, and I think it uh, I I think it sort of fits. It's it's uh, you know I hope it's not um not pretentious, uh, uh, you know, but it's uh, um, but I I think uh, you know these these people uh, in this story uh, in these stories they're they're modern day stories so they're the children of of the great insurrection um, and they themselves you know if they can if they can pull it together they are insurrections you know and, and so the but the story three insurrections uh, like I said I was working on that story for three years uh, my I sat you know I sat down with my father and I always you know when I hear when I hear my parents tell stories of the 1960s I think my generation was very uh, uh, fascinated with the 1960s. 
and, you know for a while i figured i thought you know if things didn't go so so uh, straight in like the 60s you know if they if they had continued this this revolution that they started everything would be in order right now you know um you know that's, that's me as a 20 something year old thinking about that going back and reading books about about the panthers and and all that uh so you know but you know i i have i had this you know these people here who actually lived through the 60s you know my parents um and so, you know, I, I wanted to know more about my father's, uh, my father, he, he emigrated from Trinidad. I want to know more about, you know, the decision to leave, to leave, to come here, you know, you know, uh, to me, <laughs> it's like, why would you leave a country where you, where you don't face uh, discrimination? You know, this is the 60s. He came in the mid 60s to a country where, you know, it's, it's well known for discrimination. Right. So, uh, so I had to, you know, I, I talked, I interviewed with him. We, we sat, we had maybe three three interviews um and and, uh, and so I, I you know a lot of times a lot of stories that I write are based on my uh sometimes they're based on on my experiences and you take it and chop it and splice it and you remix it uh so this time you know, I decided to, you know I took and chopped his his uh experiences and and, and I remixed it so uh you know, I was always fascinated by the, by the story um he told me a little bit uh, of after Martin Luther King was was assassinated, and uh, and how he reacted to that, uh, and so you know I don't I don't want to give away the story, <laughs> but uh, so you know I dealt I, I dealt with that uh, in the story, um, and you know so I, I, and I wanted to tie it back to this uh, this mythology that I was that I was building, so uh, the question is. The question I was answering is, you know, how this family, you know, got to Cross River and what is their connection, what is their connection uh, to, uh, you know, to this, uh, to this insurrection uh, that, uh, that, that animates the lives of the people in Cross River. Okay, well, I'm going to switch gears now just a little bit and talk about what you like to read, because, you know, here at Read More, we always like to know what authors have been influenced by as far as their you know their reading so what was the first thing you ever read that really resonated with you you know made you say wow and it just was like oh this is something different the first thing wow <laughs> that, that that takes it it takes it way back um you know i mean you know my, my grandmother used to read me all these these, these books that uh that my mother that she used to read to my mother um i can see it now in a little plastic bag uh i think my niece has them now uh and you know stories you know, don't be doodling the bun anansi stories and uh you know i couldn't get enough of it you know i, I really couldn't and you know i was the youngest one in my family so you know i benefited from everybody reading to me you know my, my brothers my grandmother my, my father and mother uh so i think that's that those were the those were, were exciting exciting things and you know as I as I as I grew up Beverly I was reading Beverly Cleary as a uh, as a as an elementary school student and uh, and so you know I I just I just always loved it um and I had this one this one Anansi book uh, uh from from Trinidad that I used to read all the time uh my son has it now um and uh yeah so those you know those 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 childhood stories you know, I think they're, they're they're somewhere there in my writing. What about the three books that you 
enjoy reading the most? I mean, I'm thinking if you were in a situation where you couldn't read any new books, you could only read three books you read in the past, but you could read those books as much as you wanted to. So you could really pour over them and study them. Which three books would you choose? I would probably read Oscar Wilde by Juno Diaz. You know, I, I want to say all Juno Diaz is three books, but I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that. Um, uh, Sula, yeah, I remember reading Sula in high school. Um, I, I read it in a day. I'm sure, I didn't get everything out of it, but I was, you know, I was just amazed and, and dazed by it. Uh, third one, um, wow. Um, let's see. I would say um, Edward P. Jones's second one, All on Hagar's Children. Uh, see, you know, I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to cheat here because I don't read Edward P. Jones's books separately. Um, I, because, they're, because they're connected, I read them. Uh, every time I read them nowadays, I read them together. Uh, and I read the first first story of, of one book, and I read the first story of another book, and it creates this in, it creates this incredible world around it. It feels like it almost feels like you're reading a new genre that's not a short story, it's not a novel, it's something else. So I'm gonna cheat and say Edward P. Jones, and I hope he comes out with a third one that has that same format, um, because uh, you know it's 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 a it's a reading experience like no other. You and me both. <laughs> Okay. Uh, do you have another uh, book sort of on the flip side here? Is there a book that maybe is a very well-known book, but you have not been able to get through it? Maybe you've tried several times and you just can't get through it, or maybe you have finished it, but it just didn't do it for you. So at the end, you were like, I don't get what the big deal is about this book. Okay. I'm telling on myself here. <laughs> If you want, you can choose a writer who's no longer with us. If you're worried, you know, you might run into this person or something. Um, okay. All right. You know, this is, this is going to anger people. And it always angers somebody when I say it. Frankenstein. I, I've read it a million times. And I just think it's, I just, I just read it and say, you know, everyone says it's, they're so dazzled that it was written by a 19 year old. And I read it and say, yeah, this was written by a 19 year old. <laughs> you know, the, the, the monster is so beautifully rendered. Everything else is not. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just don't. I just don't buy the scenario. I don't. Uh, I just can't get into it. Um, and I think something is wrong with me. I, um, I was one of the, was one of the first uh, first books I bought on my own. I still have my copy that I, that I bought from Borders. This is. I see how long ago this was. Uh, as, as a teenager, and and I've I've read it several times since then. I just. I don't know what's going on. I think, you know, there's great stuff about it, but I think, you know, she, Mary Shelley should have sat with it a little bit and wrote another draft. Okay, well, just a few more questions here. We're going to wrap up. I know this book just came out, but are you already on to another project? What are you doing? Always working on something. I'm working on another on another collection uh, that, that's set in Cross River. Um, and um, and I'm working on a few uh, a, a few novellas, um, and they're all set in Cross River. I have I, I have this uh, this board that my wife calls the crazy board, uh, which is you know a whole listing of, of of things that I'm that I'm working on. So I'm, all, I'm all, on some level I'm working on all of them at the same time. <laughs> and what are you reading right now? Uh, what am I reading? I um. I I'm, I just 
I just finished um, Mecca uh, Jamila Sullivan's Blue Talking Love. Actually, I didn't finish it. I'm still in the middle of it, and and it's uh, it's incredible. Um, you know, so I've been reading a lot of a lot of short, a lot of short stories. Um, in terms of poetry, I just finished uh, Derek Austin's Trouble Trouble the Water, which I found to be just an incredible book. Um, and you know, very 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 sharply drawn, not not what I expected at all. Well, Rian Scott, thank you so much for having us here today. Oh, thank you for for, for having me on the show. Uh, can't wait to uh, can't wait to listen more. You can find out how to win a free copy of Rian's Insurrections on our website, readmorepodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook. Please join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton reminding you to read more.